Jim, I want to talk about masturbation. Now, I just want you to know that it's a, it's a perfectly normal uh, thing, and I have to admit, uh, you know, I uh, did a fair bit of masturbating when I was a little younger. I, uh, I used to call it the stroking the salami. Yeah, you know, pounding the old butt. I never did it with baked goods. Welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. The following review will contain spoilers and may contain strong language. Today, as part of our throwback series, we'll be discussing American Pie. Starring Jason Biggs, Chris Klein, Thomas Ian Nicholas, Eddie K. Thomas, Mina Savari, Tara Reid, Natasha Leone, Shannon Elizabeth and Eugene Levy. Directed by Paul and Chris Whites. It's really simple. We just got to make an agreement. Or, no, it's, it's more than an agreement. What, a bet? A pact. No money involved. More important than any bet. Here's the deal. We all get laid before we graduate. Hello and welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. I take my vitamins. It's Gally in Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Culmination. <laughs> it's definitely in London. <laughs> and it's Patrick from London. I'm a sophisticated sex robot. Turn back in time to change the future for one lucky lady. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. Welcome back, guys. It's been uh, it's been a long time since we took our summer break. Uh, so this is our throwback episode, and it's your choice, Patrick. And you yes. chose American uh, Pie from 1999. Yeah. I didn't realise it's 20 years since this came out. The same year as no. The Matrix, just to see what else was in the cinema at the time. Hmm? It's one way to make you feel old, isn't it? But I remember at the time, when it came out, all my friends and I were well excited to see it. It was... I don't... I think I recall a teen comedy that was set in school like this in cinema whereas I was growing up around not the same age as the characters but you know approaching that adolescent age and hormones are rife and everyone's saying how funny it is and I don't I don't see it at the cinema but I remember day one on VHS getting it and watching it and thinking it was hilarious at the time. I went to the to the cinema to see it I was, I think I I just turned 15 when it came out. I always looked very young for my age. Uh, so yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't going to attempt to get into a 15 rated film until I was actually 15. So this is probably one of the first uh, actual 15 rated films I went to see. You had hair then? I had hair? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in what respect? <laughs> Long golden ginger locks. I didn't actually grow the long hair until I was uh, 17. What you're saying is Finch is your hero, so... Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, yeah that, that is what I was saying. I, I also never took a shit in secondary school. That is true, actually. I used to live across the road from my secondary school, <laughs> so I did actually used to go home. Oh, shit break, Dev. Good Lord. I was going to tell my own story. My mate Ash, who was at school, who used to walk 20 minutes to his house when he needed to shit and come back. He'd miss classes... He didn't, just didn't care at all. 
I was going to say you didn't give a shit, but you did at home. Uh, it's the uh, the advantages of growing up in a small village. Going back to when I when I first saw it, I, I want to say that I rented this one, but it was word of mouth. Got to go and see this this raunch teen sex comedy. I would have been what was this ninety nine, wasn't it? So thirteen. Yeah, I'm fourteen. 14? I'm, I'm thirteen, yeah. fourteen. So yeah, yeah so I was perfect age, and uh, yeah, so I think this was a this was a rental for me. I seem to remember everyone quoting it before I got a chance to watch it. My, I now think that my mum might have been a bit reluctant for me to watch it, it being a sex comedy, but I did get to rent it. I had a very good relationship with the video box owner, um, my, my video mm-hmm. shop, because I was in all the time, and he ended up giving me like PlayStation games for free, so I rented them that often. And w- when I did watch it, like, finally I could freely quote it at school and enjoy that, because I suppose now we live in a world of memes. Back then, it was quoting films to each other was the cool thing to do. No, they didn't coin the phrase, but they definitely popularised it. The, the term MILF. Well, I'd only know it from this film. I wouldn't know it was from another source at the time. We were 13, mate. I mean, a bit too young to be uh, <laughs> going through all the porn, I guess. <laughs> so, so I only knew, I only knew MILF from, from this film, but like I did, obviously, doing all my in-depth research on it, uh, I did later find out that MILF was actually something that was already freely uh, out there in the porn ether. Through your research, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> <You've... laughs> I hope you've cleared your history. <laughs> like, that is uh, stuff my art, Patrick. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure that that's what the internet wayback machine was invented for, gals. No, no. Well, for me, it was uh, like following the WW. Well, then was WWF because I didn't have um, box office, and my dad refused to pay for the the Sunday box office stuff. So I used to go on the internet, you know, dial it up, wait fifty eight minutes for a page to load, just to mm-hmm. see who won. Like, did Austin win? Because I didn't, you know, I, I'd rather know than than even wait for it to be uh, shown the week after. So that was what the internet was for me. It certainly wasn't uh, wasn't MILF. I don't, know. I don't think time. I had the internet at the time. Um, I think it was around that time or 2000, I think I finally got family computer and the internet then. This, uh, the VHS copy that you guys rented, was this the infamous unrated extra sex cut? I, I think that came later, didn't it? Okay. Yeah, that came later. The one I saw is the one where you see Biggs's ass and that's it. Um, well, can, yeah. what he's doing because <laughs> I, I was uh, I was actually I was talking about the, the this with uh, with my brother very recently because I mentioned that we were going to be talking about this film and uh, he was kind of a great test subject because he hadn't seen this probably in about 15 years I wouldn't have thought but he'd seen it dozens upon dozens of times before that and uh, that was one of the first things he said was like oh yeah wasn't it like the, the first time that they tried to sell a film on being like an unrated cut, you know, that like the bits you couldn't see in the cinema and maybe he's right. I, I don't think I could, uh, I don't think I could think of another, another film that sold itself on that. At least not one previous, right? Confessions of a window cleaner. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but you know, but yeah, for like for a mainstream, a very successful mainstream film, to try and resell itself to the home audience by trying to tempt you into uh, buying this thing. Yeah. But at the time, Dumb and Dumber or me, myself and Irene, it didn't do any of that? Not that I recall. I think that came later. Like the Dumb and Dumber 
it's not even like an unrated version. It's just the no, I don't, I don't additional think scenes. Think, yeah, I'm just trying to think of anything to compare it to. But all the all the films that kind of followed in its wake, they all they all did it. You know, there's there was always the uh, the additional cut on the DVD, the the shit that was too extreme, which is which is essentially just this time this time it's it's Biggs fucking a pie in missionary position. Yeah, I don't I don't really understand how that's. That's that's worse. The way that he, <laughs> I'm not he sure on the counter. I just I don't I, I never understood why he stayed in the kitchen. <laughs> 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 Let's get into it. So, Patrick, why don't you just give us a brief, brief plot synopsis? American Pie. Four teenagers make a pact to lose their virginity before graduation to be masters of their sexual destiny and promise they'll watch out for each other on their quest. You better believe there are hilarious events on their journey in this coming of age teen comedy. Can Jim successfully make love to a pastry, despite a problem with premature ejaculation? Will Stifler offend every person on campus? Can Finch hold it in? Can Kevin give it back? And can Nova learn to be all sensitive and shit? Hopefully yes, so we can take the next step, and we'll get laid! Very good. Bravo. That's the synopsis of the film. The plot is very simple. In, in genuinely doing the research for this film, I tried to look at like the films that kind of came after it, and when you when you sort of do the decade jumps, so Superbad would probably be the film that you would say, okay, American Pie, 10 years later, Superbad. And then 10 years later, we have something like, uh, say, you know, Booksmart, which has just recently mm-hmm. come out. Yeah, but in between, you've got something like Project X as well. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But one of the things I did notice as I was going through from 99 to 2000 uh, or 2019 is that... Um, the length of comedies like this is streamlined 90 minutes in and in and out yeah yeah characterizations are minimal they've all got one particular thing obviously they have their quests which is to lose their virginity but they've all got their one little idiosyncratic subplot and that is it nothing else defines them other than achieving the thing that they need to achieve it's set up quite well though at the beginning isn't it they're all succinctly in in uh, introduced and you understand their personality straight away. Yeah, absolutely. They're all archetypes, aren't they? You know, we have the jock, the nerd. Uh, Stifler is a new character, and we'll probably talk about him in more depth, but he's like this obnoxious... Well, he's super jock, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, super jock. He's like virtually the one of the only antagonists in the film. Um, Finch is, is basically a cartoon. I mean, he's not really a character, <laughs> is he? He's almost like... Uh, I don't know. He's a he's a weird one. I couldn't really. Well, he's it. kind of like the granddad character. He's you know he's trying. He wants to be mature. And yeah. He's, so he's got delusions of grandeur, I suppose. And Kevin's your favourite character. <laughs> oh, I, I Kevin Kevin I. I'm sure the actor is a lovely a lovely bloke, <laughs> but I I cannot stand Kevin in this film. Oh, and I will I will <laughs> trust me. I will lay bare why I I dislike him. But one of the things that I really hate about Kevin is that. He's supposed to be the leader, and he is such a privileged, entitled little. He's a little toe rag, as that old lady. He's, would say. He is. He's a I, filthy uh, piece I, of toe rag. He's, he's, <laughs> I really dislike Kevin, and the, the weird thing is, the film tries to make him the the leader of this this group, and I never ever get that. I just find him uh, abhorrent. <laughs> he does deliver the the line. No longer will our penises remain flaccid and unused with a plum. <laughs> yeah, he does. I, I mean, I'll give him that. But I mean, I, I think it, it could be the actor though as well. Mm. Like, I really didn't like him in Rookie of the Year. 
he's in Rules of Attraction, playing basically the same character. It kind of it kind of works in that because he's supposed to be like a little asshole that you want to see get punched in the face. I mean, luckily, luckily for me, I watched Halloween Resurrection, and uh, he gets killed in that. So, I kind of cathartically, I um, I've managed to sort of get rid of that hatred for Kevin. <laughs> so, at the beginning, when we introduce them, what Kevin's whole arc is that. He's the one in a relationship here out of the four. Mm. And he's with Jessica? Jessica, is that right? Uh, Vicky. No, not Jessica. Vicky, excuse me. Yeah, Jessica's Vicky. the main. And um, it's quite a simple introduction, isn't it? They're together. She's excited. She's going off to college. He's playing around with her, but she says, I love you. And he can't return it back. Mm. So we, we understand he's a bit reluctant there, and I'm sure, but. He wants to get laid. <laughs> yeah, the, um, there's a definite uh, question mark over like. In, in terms of how much of a massive arsehole he is. So the stuff that he says marks him out as a total arsehole, which is, um, mm. uh, what does he say? Yeah, um, you shouldn't be pressured into saying all of you if you don't. Well, think, but like, really. so he's with her, but he says two things. <clears throat> One, I'm sick of getting these blowjobs. I just want to get laid. And then the other thing the next day is that he says he's putting in months of quality time and getting nothing back. <laughs> And I don't yeah. think the uh, the film does as a good a, uh, a good enough job of sort of showing why that's you know he's still allowed to be the the kind of the the de facto leader of this little gang. I know he gets dumped at the end, which is yeah. great, but he still gets he's, he still gets dumped after getting everything he wanted anyway. So yeah, I I, I don't want to pour hot coals all over Kevin, but the other thing that I really dislike about him is. He gets a moment where he could possibly learn. So if we set him up as this guy who doesn't want to say, I love you, has got slightly nefarious reasons why he maybe is with Vicky, then he learns that actually he needs to give her an orgasm. So he learns from the big book about mm. the, the tongue twister. <laughs> and and he, he, says, he says to his brother in order to be, um, in order Casey to sort of bestow the honor. Yeah, Casey Affleck, which will keep you guys into what Casey Affleck's doing in the film. Well, he's, he's literally and figuratively phoning it in is what he's doing. <laughs> he is literally <laughs> doing it. Um, but he, he then, like, in order to pass the test, he has to say, oh, well, um, you know, I, I just want to make her feel the same way I do, give her a good experience. And he's like, well done, my son. You've passed the test. Then later on, he starts giving a shit again. At the time, it was quite a refreshing film for Hollywood in the teen sex comedy because at its heart, it was actually had quite good intentions rather than the bawdy ones of the 80s, like Porky's, that it's always, this film's quite likened to a lot. You do like the characters on the whole in this, apart from Gally doesn't like <laughs> But do, do you see what I'm saying? Like, the, I think the intentions are good in the film, so... There are problems with some of the writing, I think. But mm. overall, I don't think there's anything malicious. I think maybe there's a few clumsy things in motive. If we go back to the beginning, just, just sort of almost linear. Nova goes on this date with a college chick and, you know, he's he's bragging about it. He's going with an older girl. They've got something lined up. And she, <laughs> embar well, he embarrasses himself and she laughs at him quite rightly because he's a dick. He says the line, Suck me, beautiful. <laughs> I can't even finish it. <laughs> so, what's your major? Postmodern feminist thought. Uh, cool. Great night, isn't it? Sure. You're a 
It's something about the springtime that's just cool, you know? Like the smell of fresh rain or something. Suck me beautiful. What did you just say? Suck me beautiful. <laughs> My friends call me Nova. Is in uh, Casa Nova? That's pathetic. <laughs> Jeez, you don't have to laugh at me. Well, there's just some things you need to learn, that's all. Like what? Well, you've got to tone it down. You don't need to come to a place like Lookout Point and spout off cheeseball lines to be romantic. Okay. You have to pay attention to a girl. Be sensitive to her feelings. Relationships are reciprocal. Come on, Casanova. I'll take you back to your friends. Again, the, the writing's weird just because he goes into the choir world and says this is an untapped resource. Mm -hmm. But he does learn and he goes through the story and he falls in love. He's definitely got the, the strongest arc, even though it starts out mm. as, as being quite weak source. Like... um. The way he's uh, his first line of dialogue, the thing that paints him out as a, a bit of an unreconstructed misogynist is um, that he thinks that the all women channel should be made illegal oh, yeah. with the like with the lifetime supply of the lifetime supply of pantyhose or whatever. <laughs> Which I don't understand that on any level. Oz is the like, the one who gets a sufficient arc, really. He's the he's the one character that does genuinely you can track the growth. Uh, even though he's posturing later on after he speaks to that college girl, which and the, the writers know what they they're pointing at something because isn't she like a feminist studies or she's a major in in feminist studies, and and so they're, they're kind of pointing towards something. But he's the one that genuinely goes on a journey in the film, and 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 it's quite touching at the end the way that they wrap up his story with Heather because it's it plays like a rom com exactly like a rom com would do, mm. but it's done in. In short shrift, really. I was actually surprised at how detached he was from the other characters, which when we come to the big problematics... Well, he's not there. It's probably the reason why... Yeah, no, I think that's the reason why I think I like Oz the best now re-watching the film 20 years later. We need to speak about the opening scene, don't we? The... <laughs> it's, a, it's a good cold opening, it's isn't it? straight in. To there. the film. Straight in. I don't even... <laughs> Rewatching it. It's quite funny because I'm watching the mum and I don't understand how the mum is buying what he's saying until, well, is it the line? Spank my hairy ass. Oh, yeah, spank my hairy ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Patrick, how you were saying, give me some other examples of uh, characters not acting like humans. Now, I'm not giving anything away about my past, but there is absolutely <laughs> no way, no way I would be watching porn Yes, yeah, so in what looks like off. the daytime, well, at daytime with the door unlocked. Oh, <laughs> There's no load chat. What does he try and play off? It's like a nature show. Yeah, the... yeah, no, but he plays it really, like, really casual. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's completely it's set up and it's awkward. But uh, I, no, no, it's... I think he's trying to watch some illegal shows. It's, it's pretty <laughs> funny that she wants to lean in and kiss him on the cheek. And then why does the dad um, take the pillow? Oh, because uh, he tries to grab the remote control, but the, it's on top of the pillow. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It is. Yeah. What would have happened in the time of context is Jim's trying to alter his aerial to get illegal. I don't know cable channels. I think in in the, in the states they would have uh, they would have like scrambled channels. 
Yes. And the you know the like the the sound would come through, but the picture would have been scrambled. It's it's. I love the cut and the cutaway to the the tube socket <laughs> resurrection because <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So many questions like, why is the sock over the boxes? Like, <laughs> just, <laughs> it looks so stupid, but it but it's a quite. Like you said, the cold cut straight in. It's a really good setup for the film. It's and, such and... a blunt edit as well, isn't it? Like just, it's just it's right there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but the music starts off like that, doesn't it? It's kind of like sex music at the very beginning, and you know, you you know what you're in for. I think uh, it sets the tone very well. But it sets up Jim, the hopeless nerd who can't catch a break it's essentially it's all done in a one minute scene and the other thing that it sets up i think everyone's favorite character you know hence why he kind of lived on throughout the the rest of the, mm. the films eugene levy as jim's dad i mean we'll talk about him probably later on in in scenes where he has more dialogue yeah. with his son but just the way he he doesn't judge Jim for having a, a socket with dick <laughs> and masturbating. And he just tries to play it off like, oh, don't worry about it, honey. Just, this is just yeah, bad signal. Just a bad interference. <laughs> we quickly introduce the other characters. And I think, really, the film kicks off at the house party. And that's where we get right into it. This is like the one and only sequence where the camera moves. When we follow Stifler through the party. Well, there's a really there's a good shot that, that uh, comes up a couple of scenes later which is um so jim sees the girl he fancies who's nadia who's um we just assumed over that she's an eastern european girl well i think that's how he introduces her right is that how it, that right, he, he says the something horrible like that eastern european exchange chick <laughs> <laughs> there's a great shot when it's his pov approaching her mm. and we get that classic um that Really oh, old, song. Uh, at, at yeah. But the he bumps his knee, and then the POV is shaking as well as it goes in slow motion towards her. One of the other things uh, I wanted to mention, you must have noticed it. They are so sweaty. <laughs> they are so sweaty in this uh, film, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Everyone has got like a shine, disgusting, horrible there are, sweatiness. They're already... I mean, in a way, it's it's totally appropriate yeah. for the character. Jim is Jim is the greasiest, but everyone has like a sheen. They they clearly just didn't have a makeup artist on set, or maybe they were shooting in a heat wave or something. But it is it is pretty disgusting. I hadn't noticed. Everyone, but I mean, it's it, it's perfectly appropriate for the characters. My God, you're greasy! <laughs> <laughs> oh no, my retirement grease. <laughs> <laughs> the inciting incident is Sherman, the Shermanator. He shows off because he's going into a room with a, a girl who he likes, and he says she likes. <laughs> she's taking a fancy to the Shermanator or something like that. And then in the morning after, they say goodbye in the hallway, and she says, I don't know, I'll never forget, blah, blah, blah. And he says, we were doing the wild thing all night, <laughs> showing off and bragging. And then Kevin, in his just dickhead way, like, uh, is pissed off that Sherman's had sex before him because, well, we, we, we now understand that sex is all they can bloody think of right now, and they can't have it soon enough. The film does tap into that desperate desperate want and i guess need because i mean how many other problems have you got when you're a teenager other than 
trying to lose the stigma of being a virgin. And I don't know if it was a big thing in your school. Oh, there was pressure. Kind People of took the piss out. It wasn't mine, yeah. yeah. It was a lot of peer pressure. Which I suppose is Stifler's role in the film, isn't it? He's the pressure yeah. that's coming through. Yeah, he is. And and, and so is Sherman. Mm-hmm. So in Sherman's lies is the thing that, like you said, it incites our characters. Can I go back to one thing in the party, mm-hmm. though? Just from a purely, and this is me maybe being slightly searching for reason and logic. When Kevin, and it's always about Kevin, when he gets a blowjob off Vicky and he dispenses of his cum, <laughs> In the There's no simple way to say that. Is that's so blunt. <laughs> it would, don't worry, we put that this podcast is explicit. How on earth is it possible? Because he should be at like 5 PSI when he's ready to go. And he manages to hold it. He manages to hold it. And then like weirdly, it's such a weird shot when he's like jerked over the cup. <laughs> he's jizzing into it. 5 PSI! <laughs> What's a 5 PSI? It's the pressure. That's ridiculous. <laughs> well, it's like 1.7 bar. Sorry, I went to PSI instead. It's <laughs> the funniest thing you've ever said. <laughs> it hit my head watching it again. I was like, how has he managed to hold that in and then put it in the cup? I don't know why is he putting it in the cup? Bloody hell. Because no, he would have, he told her now <laughs> so that he get the warning so he could stop her and finish himself off, surely. <laughs> That's why I assumed. I, I assumed he wasn't, like, I assumed he wasn't storing it internally. He's got hands, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the machinations of it just didn't make sense to me. I've never um, questioned I'll just, I'll it. I'll leave it there. That's all I'll say. The, the, the angles are, are difficult. He's lying on his back. Maybe he sits up, doesn't he? Yeah, but he's holding it in the whole time while he's still up. It's not until the second film that Finch has learned Tantra that I could believe that he could hold that in. There's no way. If it was Jim, he'd be fucked, wouldn't he? But I do like the fact that throughout this whole film, and we'll we'll talk let's just talk about Stifler he gets his comeuppance at every yes. turn in this so he is the antagonist mm. we've already seen him grab a girl's ass, <laughs> refer to the character you know belittle the characters and peer pressure them and then he tries to get this girl to sleep with him who he doesn't give a monkeys about he does play it well but we see in the film that he is undercut at every turn the, the only time the only time he gets successful is when Finch has to go to his lowest so he he puts the uh, X-Lax in his drink and makes sure. Yeah. That, that's the only time when I think he's actually, and playing lacrosse as well. But the the reversal and the and the comeback to that is that Shipbreak sleeps with his mum. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. He, he, yeah. Literally, he fucked his mum, yeah. which is the, the ultimate, the ultimate. You can't go back from oh, there's that. There's a great joke in, is it American by Two? And he says, motherfucker. And he says, don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> Question, guys. Stifler and Jim's dad are like the two breakout characters from this film. What was it about Stifler that appealed to like everybody? Because he is the bad guy in this, I guess. It's 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 purely got to be like Sean William Scott and the fact that he was just really good. Like he brings a lot more energy to it than than most of the other actors. I mean, not that not that all the uh, the the remaining cast members were, were bad at all. Like 
I think Jason Biggs acquits himself very well, considering he's put up against like Eugene Levy, who is like a bit of a comedy legend. It's it's quite something to hold your own against that. But I don't know. Just there's there's a sort of weird manic energy. Also, like the '90s were big on that, weren't they? That kind of very manic energy, kind of post Robin Williams, post Ace Ventura era, Jim yes. Carrey. If you were the biggest thing in a film, you were this, the funniest. This film is also that. highly quotable, and I think yeah. he—it's the way he delivers these lines that makes these nothing lines really quotable. Because I think the majority of what you do mm. do is Eugene Levy and Sean William Scott's lines is what you what you quote and remember from the film. But Sean William Scott's been quite outspoken yep. about American Pie recently. There's been a lot of articles because it's the 20th year anniversary. Because this film kind of ruined his career for a long time. It took, him, it took him ages to recover from it because he was just typecast. And, you know, if you look at the films he did after this, Dude, Where's My Car, Road Trip, the other American Pie films. Yeah, and yeah. he said that when he got out of that bracket of college years that he you know, he could portray, he struggled. Uh, he went to rehab about eight years ago for an undisclosed reason. And he really struggled. Um, you know, he did, uh, what was the... Is it Bulletproof Monk? Did he do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which With, was uh, terrible, and fact. he was trying to go down a different direction. What was the, um, what was the, the, the Peter, um, oh, what the fuck is his name? The guy who directed Friday Night Lights. Oh, Peter Berg. Uh, Peter Berg, yeah, he did, he did the, um, uh, the, the film oh, The Rock, right? Welcome to the Jungle. Welcome to the, yeah. jungle? Welcome to the jungle, yeah. That's before yeah. everyone thought that The Rock was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, but Scott has really struggled. And then he did some serious, more serious roles and, doing quite well in TV, he's got the Lethal Weapon series and he's taken a real turn. But he talks about American Pie and he says quite candidly that he didn't like the character that he was reading. So he, he ad-libbed a lot of it because he knew, he just wanted to act like he was acting with his mates and he, he was figured that his mates liked him mm. and he was funny. So he's just going to bring a lot of that to the character to try and make it as mm. likeable and funny and be more himself like an acting of way of keeping his friends happy than what was written on the page. Cause apparently Stifler was a lot more of an arsehole in the original script, but now you get someone yeah. who you kind of love to hate because he, he is that uh, tender box of energy and he's very, he is amusing despite walking around a party that he owns and spanking asses and just offending anyone he wants to talk to. But I quite like Sean William Scott. I remember liking him a lot after this film, and I think it, I think it's a very memorable character. It's a memorable character, and he's the he's the wild card in the in the cast for sure. And and the series, I mean, we know we're just going to talk about American Pie, but in the series, they they recognised it, and he he his character kind of grows and grows and grows. By the third one, it's basically a Stifler film, mm. and then I've I've unfortunately seen all of the the straight to DVD fair that came later and they always tie it into <laughs> jim's dad and stifler it's always a descendant of stifler or some variation of that character so it was definitely the in the whole series the stifler characters the the one that that most people will remember he's uh he's he's great in um in uh, uh always sunny in philadelphia no, i don't no. know if you've seen that he's a, yeah, like yeah. A, he's a one-off guest star he plays a uh, country mac he's great but you know what you were saying about what happened to Shaw William Scott? I mean, you could, outside of Alison Hannigan, Eugene Levy was already a thing. I know for most people that 
may have only seen him in American Pie, thought that this was like the only thing he's ever mm-hmm. done. Not true. You know, go watch Best in Show, any of those kind of mockumentary films that he did with uh, Christopher Guest. But the the other cast members, they all kind of stayed in their lane, really. Like Chris Klein as Oz. Mm. Like, really, what else did he do? Jason Biggs, you know, even did a film. Rollerball. Yeah, that's it. Jason Biggs just did a Kevin Smith film where he basically references the fact that he's just the pie fucker. Yeah, they all kind of just stayed in the American pie. They, they tried to make... um. Jason Biggs, a thing. He did like a, like an, like a, yeah, who's in Loser, which was, you know, um, which was like an Amy Heckling film. But I I remember them trying to sell that as if it was, oh yeah, it's the guy from the American Pie and he's doing another team movie like the American Pie. Wasn't, she was, yeah. 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 But it was also, wasn't it like a much weirder and more depressing film? Yes, it was. Uh, Yeah, you wouldn't know it from that Wheatus video. No, definitely not. It's interesting looking at the way that their careers kind of all diverted. And like I said, Alison Hannigan has done phenomenally well. You know, and she's great in this film. Was she in Buffy before this? uh, Yeah, she must have been. Yeah, 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 she was in Buffy, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that would have been from like 97 onwards. But then even like, is it Tara Reid? Tara Reed, yeah. I mean, Tara Reed is like she's she's beautiful. Not not to say that she's not beautiful now, but she's beautiful in this. She she'd been in um, she was in the yeah, Big Lebowski, Lebowski and like Mina Savari had yeah. things got American Beauty in the same year, I think. And same, yeah, same she year. Could have had yeah, a real flips, big career. Flips the character. Not, not so much. Oh, I, I want to see. Well, um, just did a... Ad Astra the other day, and Jessica was in it for about thirty seconds. And I did like double take. Yeah, I like I like Natasha Leone a lot. Can can I can I just make one um, um one comment on Natasha Leone? Why is she a listless crone in this? It's just very very odd how she's like almost jaded by love, yet she's only seen. I, it's I very do odd. have. She's probably um, got it's an very odd backstory of being fucked over, hasn't yeah. I have a a, a, a non canonical off screen reasoning for it which which she herself admits which is that um natasha leon uh, um she left her family really young and she moved to hollywood on her own and she was doing a bunch of um she was in uh um i was at slums of beverly hills which is like a really great kind of lower budget comedy drama that she's in and it was a couple of years before this and she's fantastic in it uh she took this job because she needed the money the female characters are really quite strong at this, and Jessica in particular, because she doesn't take any shit, and she's she's a voice of reason, and she's guidance, and she's she's very good. But I don't know whether you noticed this: the opening credits, the second name you get on is Shannon Elizabeth Nadia, who is the problematic mm. female character. That, and that it's yeah, I was surprised to see her name was up second, and I mean she's not there for the right reasons, is she? We'll we'll get to we'll get to Nadia, but we'll 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 carry on with the with where we are in the in the story because, like I say, it's not it's not the you know, it's not the the deepest of of plots. They uh, they all kind of go from the party and they make a pact, don't they? And that as Kevin describes it to to Oz, you know, we're all going to support each other. Uh, you know, spot like you're in the gym, you know, yes. for reps, etc. They're all going to lose their virginity by no, by gone. graduation. That's the, that's the promise, their last chance. Oh, by graduation, sorry. Ah, promise the last chance, of course. Uh, and then we get like a, a montage. Well, hold on, you're, you're, kind of you're flashing over your favourite line, which you, for the audience to understand that for years now, whenever we're at a bar, if Gally's at the other end of the bar and catches our eye, 
he will raise a pint to us to signify the next step. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I do. I still do that, don't yes, I? Do. Yeah. It is, it's, it's a thing. Yeah. I also do the Ace Ventura, oh. end of Ace Ventura, where I push someone. No, no, where I push them and they, and they push me and then I pretend that I punch them. Oh, yeah. we, do, we don't do that anymore because <laughs> I punched you in the face yeah, that time. You, you, you caught me flat in the nose. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right, yes, I do tip to, Sorry. tip to the next step. It's okay, but I've forgiven you. Listen, I'll get you next time. But then we that's, get, that's we get a montage now, don't we, to the picture <laughs> We get the montage. Yeah. So Kevin's messed up with Vicky because he's t- sick of this blowjob business. He's got to get laid. Oz is, is struggling to be a sensitive man. and um... He's watching the All Women channel. I guess that that's one thing, like you were saying, gals, about um, the, the tight 90-minute structure of this film and the fact that you can tell that this film, in comparison to like a lot of modern-day comedies, it is very tightly written. They don't put stuff in unless mm-hmm. it has a purpose. Mm-hmm. Like yep. it is very much a, a screenwriter who's read a lot of screenwriting manuals put this together because like each piece moves the plot along just as far as it needs to go. So yeah, him him saying that the old women channel should be illegal. And then boom, watching the old women's channel. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that, that you feel it's quite clinically put together because the one thing that I did notice re-watching it was kind of how... You said it earlier, Patrick. The film's quite clumsy, like in the way that it's staged. Mm-hmm. Some of the shots we've already talked about the grease and the lighting. It is kind of <laughs> like, and this is not um, to sound disparaging. It's that you know, it's the White Brothers' first films, and they then go on to get an Oscar nomination for About a Boy, <laughs> and they write on the the, bloody, the Rogue One, um, the Golden Compass, which didn't unfortunately do very well, but directed that so it's not like they didn't have a career beyond american pie but when i watched it again i did notice how kind of amateur the film feels the first one anyway definitely doesn't it feels like a cobbled together thing but i guess in a way that kind of fits the characters and where they're at no there there is there is some of that and i think there's some inconsistencies in the writing especially but i feel like it reminds me of films that you look at in the 90s like uh Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, for example, is, is a great film that was made that no one really wanted to touch, apart from its soundtrack, and the soundtrack's how it got released. And I feel like maybe if I'd, well, I'd not read anything about it, but American Pie was, feels like that kind of film to me that maybe <laughs> was done really well because of its soundtrack and other things that mask over, that it's not a perfect film, but its its reputation has been quite high. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the case, because... Um... I did read that the the working title for the script was uh, I'm going to have it verbatim written down here. It was it was called uh, when they sent it out to uh, to when is the the writer's agent sent it out to studios. It went out under the title um, "Untitled Teenage Sex Comedy That Can Be Made for <laughs> Under Ten Million Dollars That Most Readers Will Probably Hate But I Think You Will Love." There you go. Well, that does the job. Uh, it makes an impression. And that's so that's why yeah that's what I mean by like this idea that you know. You can tell that this is a film that was put together in order to to get made. This is a yeah, but I feel like know. it's made with heart. You can feel that it's made with. Um, oh yeah, which which yeah. I think helps it get away with with a lot. Yeah. Two things: one one being like you're talking about the um, the the inexperience of the filmmakers comes through in a lot of the flat staging and mm-hmm. the yeah. genuinely ugly lighting schemes and 
Uh, and the other is that there's, there is, as we're going to get to, a lot of stuff in it which is just a bit, or not even a bit, very uncomfortable. And the fact that it's not looked back upon as like a loathsome piece of misogynist trash is probably just because there is a kind of, I, there is a sort of, there is a sort of weird innocence to it. Well, funny enough, it, it was on Netflix recently. It's just finished its run on there, but having gone on Netflix, it's got this whole new audience, and a lot of people took to Twitter to complain about misogyny and the homophobic remarks and things because they haven't seen the film. And kind yeah. of textually, you know, we've just discussed this before, like in Monster Squad, comments like that they haven't aged very well at all, and yeah, they are naive comments. I, I is how I perceive them, and. I think they are expressive of a language of young people at school and how people talk to each other, but at times they are changing and mm. you've got to be careful with this language now because it's there are some uncomfortable things. Just in a, in a very general sense, the, the fact that the film is just about these four guys want to go out and, and do sex, <laughs> not thinking <laughs> about who that's going to be with particularly or whether they might also feel like that would be a nice thing to do but mm-hmm. you know it's it's uh, just as a general worldview it's um it's it's not a film that's going to get that's going to get greenlit now and no, i don't no, think that's not. you know i don't think that's a terrible thing i think that's 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 the great thing about when you look back on a thing and you do feel uncomfortable about it it just means that at least in some ways you know society has moved forward well, mm-hmm. and I would say the same, Devlin. Uh, so in, in preparation for this, I went back and watched as kind of as many teen comedies, coming-of-age films that I could. And the other one that doesn't, doesn't what wouldn't get made now is Superbad, which got made 10 years after this, 2009. Um, I rewatched it. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, yeah. So there's some language in it that you're just like, there's no way you're going to be able to do these jokes. Like Jonah Hill's character says some pretty, pretty offensive stuff which in t- even 10 years ago was played for laughs and now would be, you know, just would not be acceptable. And there's certain things that the characters do as well that you're like, oh, they wouldn't put them in this situation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, Devlin's eloquently put it, you know, it's just a sign of progression, I guess. And and let, let's not forget as well, we were teenagers when we saw this. Yeah, so we've got that like, same stay, limited... You can't censor... Like, no, no, it's not censored. That was, we're we're what we've watched and we're reviewing this film now. It's not about censorship, is it? We had the same discussion when we came down a Monster Squad, and, and quite quite frankly, we had a similar one where we did um, Seven Brides, didn't we? You know, the it's just the idea that you can go back. It's funny, no, you stumped me with Superbad. I can't think of anything that stands out to me in memory. Sorry, I know we're going on to another film. No, 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 it's okay. Uh, so there's um there's a whole dialogue exchange between Jonah Hill's character and uh, Michael Sears where he's just talking about he wants to fuck, uh, like have sex with Emma Stone's character and there's a bit where she's baking and behind her he starts like pretending yeah. that he's going to do her from behind and um, that just wouldn't that wouldn't yeah I disagree it. that would fly now it would that's better we can agree to disagree I don't think that would <laughs> I don't think he would do that now personally but i don't think that the, any director would say yeah we'll keep that in i don't, think I don't do know that. you know that's just I, one example there's a few there's a few sequences in it that just haven't aged very well but it's not a you know it's it's a sign yeah. of like society progressing but also the way that comedy evolves you know we've already mentioned this is a 90 minute tight comedy 
Now it's all about improvisation, sticking funny people in a scene, giving them a a quick uh, synopsis of what the, where they want the scene to go, and then let let's riff. And for some people, that's great. I personally find them bloated, and I prefer like set up punchlines kind of jokes. And uh, and yeah, it's each their own, isn't it? But I don't think uh, I don't think it's a bad thing to go back and say, you know what, this probably wouldn't play now. Uh, but one, you know, to go on a positive note, one thing that does play is every scene with Eugene Levy and Jim. And the first one, when Jim's got the condoms, you know, he's got the guys that have got the condoms, <laughs> and he's just playing with them. He's just kind of stretching them out. And he, he, I forget how many he collects. He has like 10 boxes of condoms. Well, in the montage, the that, he just yeah, racks up that, yeah. Exactly. And then when Eugene Levy walks in, uh, because and he wants to talk about the magazines, uh, this, this whole scene plays brilliantly and their their little interplay is fantastic. And Jason Biggs, you said it earlier, Devlin, he does hold his own up against an improvisation master that is UG Levy in that scene. It's unbelievable. Oh, Jim, you're here. Uh, I was just uh, walking by your uh, your room, and uh, and you you know I was thinking, uh, boy, it's been a long time since we've had the little father son uh, uh, chat. Oh, I I almost forgot. I uh, I uh, I bought some magazines. Do you want to just flip to the uh, center section? Well, this is the this is the uh, female form, and uh, they have uh, focused on the breasts, uh, which are used uh, primarily to uh, feed young infants, and um, and also uh, in foreplay. Right. <clears throat> this is uh, this is Hustler. And this is a much more exotic magazine. Now, they have decided to focus more on the uh, pubic uh, region, uh, the whole groin area. Uh Look at the expression on her face. You see that? See what she's doing? She's kind of looking right into your eyes, saying, Hey, big boy. Hey, how you doing? You see? Right. Shaved. Here's a magazine I'm not too familiar with, but again, uh, if you flip to the center <clears throat> section, well, you see the detail that uh, that they go into in this picture mm-hmm. here. It, yeah. it almost looks like a, a tropical plant or some underwater yeah. thing. Do Thanks. you know what a clitoris is? Oh, my God. Well, yes, I, mean, don't I know say, what oh, a clitoris oh, you do? is. Oh, yes. I see. Yes, you do. I forgot you've been there and well, back. I, I, you know I've everything. learned about you know, it in sex ed. You know, I really don't need you to sit here and talk can, to me about Jim, a clitoris. This is, this is you, know? you know what? I, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have uh, got hot there. Well, you know what I'm going to do, uh, Jim? I'm going to uh, just leave these uh, books here yeah, for you sure. to uh, peruse at your uh, at your uh, leisure. Wait. Luke Eugenovi's straight face performance. Yes. It, <clears throat> delivering these lines is really great, isn't it? He's so it's sincere. So, the dead hands <laughs> are, it's brilliant. There's, uh, there's definitely a moment where he manages to get uh, Jason Biggs to, to break. I'm pretty sure it's when he <laughs> says that it looks like a kind of underwater tropical he's, planet. He smokes, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's just so... Um, I, I guess he doesn't judge Jim. He never judges him for the actions no, he takes. He's and he And he's just so... He's like the perfect embodiment of the supportive father who will back his son... No matter what he does, and it, 
he just plays it so well. And it, he, it becomes an, his own iconic character, doesn't he? Jim's dad. Everyone knows Jim's dad. It's not just the eyebrows. It is definitely the performance. <laughs> the killer line, though, is, Jim, do you know what a Clotosphorus is? <laughs> oh, I didn't, oh, I didn't realize that you, uh, you've been there and back, you know. And it's, it's just, it is brilliant. It's brilliant. And then even right at the end, you know, they managed to chuck in a, a little sight gag with the, the condom on his, uh, on his butt. Yeah. But even when he opens a drawer... And he's like, huh, well, safer than a tube That's sack. great. You know, these are just, they're all just great, great lines. This, I, I do love every interaction with... Well, the next one. Eugene What's the next Abby. one? Is it when... It's the picture. It, well, he int- when he introduces <laughs> Nadia, there's the bit there, which is quite nice. Oh, there is that one there, yeah. But when he's at and the picture and discussing... Oh, God. <laughs> the, the, the photograph is fucking brilliant as well. He's yeah. so good at it. The, the look on everyone's face. Uh, Jim, I want to talk about <laughs> masturbation, just where you kind of dropped an octave. And the, the, the analogy he uses as well, the tennis ball. I'm keeping that. If I ever have a son, I'm using the tennis ball analogy. Oh, it's so there's cool. a great relief. You want someone he, to return it. When, he, when he says, yeah, I want someone to return it. Good, good. Oh, you want to return the ball? I thank goodness. <laughs> All that stuff still holds up. And I think that's, you know, you said before, Patrick, that there's a, a degree of, of like sentimentality and there's heart in the film. I think all of those scenes between Jim and Jim's dad, that, that's, one of, that's one aspect of it. And mm-hmm. the other aspect is the, is the Oz and Heather storyline, which I think still plays. I quite like the way that he goes from jerk jock to singing choir boy and that is one of my favorite sequences hmm. when he starts singing and he's got that like really expressive face he's loving the fact that he's in the choir he's, he's still faking it at that point <laughs> but he's again it's so earnest it's so like yeah i love it it's great it's funny um, to live as the line though it came from the heart <laughs> <laughs> it's like how, how do you think um how do you think he's playing it because i think um my perception of, of uh, uh, I forgot his name, Chris, oh, Chris Klein. Oh, Chris Klein. There we go. Um, I think my perception of, uh, of of the way he's playing the character is possibly like a little bit influenced by um, uh, election, because in in election the idea is that he's just such a kind of lovable, earnest, but not particularly intelligent guy. Like, you know, in, in election, people love him because he's a bit thick, but he's just really, like, sweet. He's, like, he's slightly too stupid to be dishonest. And I I, I don't really um see him as being, like, the kind of arsehole jock type because he pretty much, he plays the whole thing kind of stupid. Like, he sounds like an idiot when he's talking to the college girl at the start. And, yeah. like, straight afterwards when he's at the house party... When um when Jim tries to call him Nova, and he says, "Don't call me Nova anymore." I'm a fraud. I'm a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he sounds like like so kind of like meek and childish. I think that's backed up though with you've got to put him in his environment as well. So when she sees herself being mocked by Stifler at the lacrosse game, he's not really joining in there. Yeah, he high fives him, but you can see on his face that he's not really that happy he's or uncomfortable he does uh, he does he does throw that line about digging the cute little sweaters <laughs> he's not entirely innocent in that sequence no but but he's playing up to his mates isn't he i think you do believe that he is interested in her and 
he's quite enjoying her company. And he's happy that she's asked him out. You are right, though, Devon. He's, he's, he's channeling election. It was election the same year as well, wasn't it? So he's, he's essentially yeah. kind of doing the same thing, which, I mean, maybe, listen, I'm not going to say he's a limited actor, but he definitely nails the doughy arm. Oh, that, that was, that was going to be the, 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 that was going to be the second question was like, do you think that he's, you know, that that's what he's playing or do we think that he's just, that's all he's got in the, in the locker? I think that's all he's got in the locker, why? but I mean, I don't want to be hard. Why wasn't he in number three? Just because, Did he fall out why wasn't him? he in number three? Was it, was it because he was trying to make it big? Like he was, that's when he was in Rollerball, Rollerball and shit yeah. with LL Cool J? Didn't he do? He did another. He did another comedy. He did another comedy mm. as well. I just can't remember. Oh, uh, the the Heather Graham one. Say yeah, it ain't yeah. so, right? Say it yes. ain't one so. One of the many, one of the many, many, many post-American Pie kind of third-rate cash-ins, mm. which I'm yeah, sure we'll probably talk about towards the end, uh, where yeah. we start talking about like the kind of influence this film has, because. There was a deluge of of copycats. Uh, he's good in this film, and I think um, and Mina Savari plays it as well, pretty straight. Like I don't know whether she's just come off the set. I don't know whether she did American Beauty first and then American Pie, or the other way around. But either way, she plays it pretty straight in this film, as if she's doing a serious dramatic mm-hmm. role, and it kind of works. It does work with the the idea that she's a you know a, a straight laced. Yeah, I think he calls her like a choir press as, as well. They, goody, goody, she's choir press. You, you said it yourself, Kelly. This is the probably the most rounded relationship in the film. And when they go back into practice, he's very despondent. He's not singing, giving it his all because he's quite upset by the whole situation. But when the teacher says that she should get uh, her solo booked up as a duet, he volunteers quite happily. And she says, you, you can't let me down on this. Uh, you got to own this or something. Oh, she says, you can't fake this. Can't fake this. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Which is the good line. And that works. But then later she sees, this is, I'm just skipping ahead of it. But later she sees him practicing on his own and goes to see him at his dad's, uh, I suppose it's like a Subway sandwich bar, isn't it? Mm. And it's a really nice scene. It's, I think the, I believe in the chemistry between the two of them and, you know, I believe in their relationship, and it is the best developed relationship on screen in the film. I f- I forgot that that scene existed until I rewatched it mm. the other the other week for this. I complete I had no recollection of that scene. I guess it's just because it's completely it's not straight sort of scene, thing. isn't it? Yeah, it's it's not the sort of thing that resonates with you when you're a fifteen year old. No, and and it's <laughs> one time you actually see any of our host of characters appear to have what would what we would class as like a normal life. Like he he works for a living mm-hmm. like i know he says it's his dad's so that kind of undercuts what i'm saying as far as everyone seems to have this middle class entitlement yeah but, but then there's but, a nice yeah. comparison there between him and stifler whereas stifler's spoiled rotten and has house parties and his mum lets him do whatever he wants whereas mm. you can really imagine that ozzy because they're both on the cross team and that's how they're made has to you know you, you can imagine he's he has to earn it yeah and so, and and heather sees that, that there's more to him than just uh you know, playing the cross. I mean, he he plays football, by the way, but that's not who he is. Like so, um, <laughs> which, which is a which is a great line. I do like that line. Jumping slightly ahead, but I like the way that it kind of concludes that Oz doesn't tell the guys whether he's yeah. there with her or not. Yeah. He just kind of says, "He's a gentleman, you know, isn't he?" Uh, we had a great night. Yeah, and I quite like that, even though he definitely had sex. A relationship I don't really believe in, though, is Kevin and Vicky. 
I didn't, I didn't get any yeah. chemistry from them. They're just actors. I, I have a theory on this one, Patrick, as well. Like, so we've already talked about the, the way that Kevin just can't say I love you and, and Vicky's like all in and they've only been dating for a few months. It feels like the, the conflict in their relationship feels like something that would happen when you're 30, not when you're, not when you're 15, 16. How old are they supposed to be? Uh, 16, 17? 18. 17. 18. They're 18. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just don't buy it. No. And also because Kevin's such a knob, <laughs> um, it just makes it doubly worse that he's like trying to pressurize his girlfriend into having sex with him. And again, it's the entitlement. Like he feels like, well, I've been going out with you for this long. He you doesn't say that some sex. Him, does he? That's how it reads off, yeah. But then he wants to pay her back now, doesn't he? Because he's had the pep talk from Jessica and he's spoken to his brother and he's got the I love the I love the sound effects, by the way, over the book when he's reading it, the gong and the kung fu oh, God, sound, yeah, which yeah. are amusing. <laughs> Again, broad comedy uh, sounds. There. Um, why is the the book, which is only bespo- uh, bestowed on one senior every year, who shows himself to be uh, deserving? Yeah, why is, why is it being weird. handed out? But it's being handed out one week before graduation. <laughs> oh yeah. A lot of that makes sense. Did you see the it? header, though, the, the, um, the section that the book's in? Fluid dynamics. No. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm jumping ahead again, and forgive me, but so Kevin's got this book of all the great, great sexual like insights, and for some reason, at the end of the film, he has sex like a slug. <laughs> Why isn't he taking the book... <laughs> And, and like performing all the Kama Sutra. No, I don't agree with that because it's their first time. And really, that book's great for, and all he wanted the book for was to repay the favour of the blowjob. Um, so that's what he used the book for. But for sex should be a natural, organic thing the first time. There is a big rife problem now that children are exposed to so much porn and stuff that they think that's how they should be you know, having sex. And it's not it's this aggressive, ridiculous pumping sex whereas that is i feel well jim has that later yeah but she's experienced <laughs> that's just true but it's just the way that they appear to be having like christian yeah, it's sex it's so weird the way that he's just well, on top he's, of it. He specifically says he pronounces every single syllable of the word the missionary position <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> It reminds me of a really great line on a Lonely Island song uh, with Akon. It says, I've just had sex, is the song. And he goes, uh, what, what's, this one's dedicated to all those girls who let us flop around on top of them. <laughs> but you're, you're right, Patrick. I don't buy anything about this uh, subplot, and I don't like, buy their relationship. And the way the film starts, they're the established relationship. You think they'd have a lot more to go on. Yeah, you'd think you'd have more investment in them, but the way that they break up as well is so odd. The way she's just like, ah, you, you're too far away. It's not going to work. It's, it's a- but, they, but they did say it up. They say it up right at the start. The first thing that she says to um, Natasha Leon is, uh, you know, when we go to college, we'll only be, what is it? We'll only be four hours away. And she says, oh, you get to drive across Canada too. No, they do set it up, but it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel, natural or organic or or any of those yeah. uh, adjectives it just feels if you wanted to like draw you know the the narrative arcs and if you, you wanted to just make sure okay put a bit in the script here and a bit in the script here but yeah the actual content of it doesn't make sense their character their, their relationship doesn't really like you say there's 
I can't imagine there's many 18-year-olds who are worried about commitment issues. Um, yeah, Finchie, uh, the cartoon character. <laughs> Shitbreak, yeah. Uh, he's He's got an, an odd one. I guess he's like the one that they, not that they wish they could be, but by the end they wish they could be him. He does have the wish fulfillment at the well, end. He's an oddity, uh, isn't he? Yeah. At the beginning, and I, I always wonder, like this film, if there's scenes where the actors weren't available. So why wasn't Finch at the house party? Why wasn't Nova, Aussie at the um, uh, the Nadia scene? Although that quite works in the plot. But there's a few scenes like that. But he says he was fashionably late because he is this old, like he's got old-fashioned motives and, mm. and style. But Finch is his. His tactic, because he's not allowed to. Uh, <laughs> what, what do they lay out in the rules? He's not allowed to have un, uh, uh, no prostitutes. Uh, no prostitutes. <laughs> so he asks, just pays Jessica two hundred dollars to spread rumors about him having a big old cock and being good in bed, and then he just plays. What did he say? He just plays golf for the next half an hour. Yeah, mini golf. Waiting for the rumors to. to well, and his big and his big thing is he doesn't have uh, a shit in school. And then that becomes the thing that, that turns well, him into this toxic... He shafts Stifler, doesn't he? There's a rumour that he beats Stifler up. And then the girl that Stifler wants to go to the prom with won't go with him because she's hoping that Finch will take her. Why does Stifler go on, go along with that, though, as well? I, did, I never understood why he would yeah, I like, hold his, bite his lip and just yeah, say, but you then, know what? But I'll, then he gets his just... payback, so that's why. Because he just... Yeah, that is interesting. Oh, I suppose so. The potty humour didn't play for me. So we've talked about scenes that did work. Oh, I was going to say, I actually found it quite funny because it's the holding it in that I found funny. And then there's a line, the whispered line, when he goes, Ken, I'll give you that line. It. That line got a chuckle out of me, but the actual sequence <laughs> uh, I thought was like pretty laboured. It didn't really work for me. And I didn't understand why that would be the thing that would completely ruin him. Because then when we get the montage of getting ready for prom, he does look really yeah. sad when he's on the bench. And, and then on to Jim's relationship. Yeah, she would, do, she would do Jim. This, this is the most problematic part of the film, I would say. Um, it's, so Jim is our sort of geek who can't quite catch a break you know dad keeps catching him masturbate in magazines etc which is all <laughs> is all funny then he gets the opportunity to tutor nadia who's a czechoslovakian exchange student is she czechoslovakian yeah yeah i think she says, yeah, he says uh, she's oh i missed that sorry the way that they pressurize jim and the way that he accepts to broadcast it now i know that they only want to send it to individually within themselves i also understand this is it's not, it's nice not but it's. I understand that they're trying to basically reinvent the Porky's scene. You know, the shower scene in Porky's yeah. is the yeah, peeping yeah, through yeah. the hole, checking out the girls in the shower. But it does not, it didn't play, I mean, it did play in 99 because this film was hugely successful. Well, the, the scene the scene in the bedroom, it, it plays, but this library scene is the problem. It's the plotting. It's the conscious decision-making to... Well, Stifler pressurises them. Because he's like, well, if you can't fil- if you can't film her, then how can you have sex with her? Then Finch says, Ugh. I don't yeah. like the guy, but he's got a point there, Jim. And then Kevin's like, can you send me a link? It's the only one who doesn't say anything. And again, it's probably why I uh, I don't have any problem with Oz. Is Oz doesn't say anything? He just kind of sits there. He's yeah, just he's listening, listening in, isn't but it? Yeah. that whole bit is really creepy. And this is now a crime. Can't broadcast yeah. someone. But you can you can imagine. 
You can imagine like young guys talking about it but not doing it. I can imagine that, but the actual doing it is, I mean, it's really risky. It's really stupid. And at the time, there's really, to explore the context, the internet's quite new. And it's not as like big, old, terrifying, accessible thing it is now. It was quite limited then. But, you know, to, to make the stupid mistake of broadcasting it to the whole school, I think this is why this seems mm. even more problematic now. Is because today, this is such a problem, is um, shaming people online or sharing uh, nudes of people that, you know, we're supposed to be in private and but this is an invasion of privacy yeah. this is, and they oh, and they yeah. really they really do not um at any point sort of like everything's all about how embarrassed jim is after he gets back yeah. to school he gives nadia one yes. line which yeah. is that she's on her yeah. way back to czechoslovakia yeah like, exactly yeah and right. he seems even annoyed that yeah. she's gone away you know like it, it's it's not the fact that that this is like a vulnerable lone 18 year old girl in, a, in another continent. And they, they, he only talks about her sponsors not being happy. They don't say that she's not happy and being violated. And it, it is, it, it, going back to Gully, the clumsy writing, this is naive, clumsy writing, and the studio shouldn't mm. have allowed this. I think it Even then. I think it was just, like you say, it was so kind of early in, in, in the internet era that it just, I don't think anyone would have thought about it. And, and I think you're right, Gally. I think they were just going for the porky sequence, but forgetting the fact that, you know, kids staring through a, a, a hole drilled in a wall where there's, there's like, um, there's quite a few girls in the porky scene. Obviously that porky scene also in retrospect is very terrible, but well, very well, terrible. in retrospect but, is just terrible. It's been more slapstick. Yeah, though, it's, it's slapstick. And don't they, like, you know, they ask one of them to put the tongue through the hole and then they dump loads of, like, soap yeah. scum on his tongue and stuff. Like, it's just a really skeevy, nasty scene. But this one seems worse just because mm-hmm. it's all, like, I mean, the whole sequence is just an excuse to get an, an actress naked on screen for an extended Some period of time. And then they, they try... You can t- the writers try and flip it slightly to embarrass Jim when he comes in and has to strip for her, but not before we've gotten the goods. And and then there's also with the way that they, well, in in quote quote unquote for what they're after. And then when um and then they try and show all the people that are watching, and they have one group of girls that are also in on the joke. But it, at that point, like. You've, you're not going to pull it back, I'm afraid. Well, they don't introduce the girl audience until it's Jim's part. We don't see their reaction to her. So, again, that, that's a mistake as well. But it's, I mean, it, I think the scene was written purely to humiliate Jim without really thinking of mm. Nadia and her role in this at all. You know, that that's, the scene is driven on embarrassing Jim to get him to his lowest point, like Finch's, so he can yeah. get back up on top um, from there. But it's... If, uh, I know we don't want to, to dwell too much on the on the many many sequels, but um, there is a bit of a parallel, I think, in the fourth film, the reunion film, which just shows that they didn't really learn anything in the what thirteen, fourteen years between the two. Because yeah, that sequence where the mm-hmm. babysitter is uh, is is dr- passed out drunk in his car, it is once again an excuse yeah. to get a young actress to be topless on screen for an extended period of time, even though ostensibly they would, they would try and pass it off as being, Oh, this is another crazy situation that, that Jim has to get himself out of. It's, it's, it's every bit as kind of 
skeevy. It's almost like in the sequel, they learnt some lessons when they had the the um, the two what they think are lesbians. And then they really do flip that one right onto the embarrassment of the guys. But then unfortunately, they go down the gay panic route. So they, yeah, it, the big set pieces in all these films, I think, have always been slightly problematic. There's one in the third one. I know we don't want to linger on it too much, but there's one in the third one which doesn't work between... There's the dance-off, and then it goes from that to just... The hijinks just gets uh, increases in, in every sequel. But in this one in particular, one of the other things that I had a big issue with is, what is Nadia? So she goes into the bedroom. She thinks that Jim's going to leave just to watch her get changed. It's an unbelievable circumstance. Then, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like some of the... the not that I like, I think some of the lines just of dialogue that they just clearly are ad-libbing are quite funny when he's like, oh, she takes her vitamins. And I think when, when <laughs> she, but why would she go through his drawers, then pull out porn mags and, why would she start and then start masturbating on his bed? I mean, again, it, yeah. if just for the one line of she reads the, uh, she likes the articles or something. Nadia <laughs> can touch whatever but she wants. This, all of that is just totally unbelievable. And then when Jim comes in, even the logic of when Kev says, if you had a chance with Nadia, it's now. It's like, what? Why? Why would, why would he just walk in and going, hey, I know you're masturbating on my bed, but look at this. Look at these. Like, look at this. <laughs> and then, uh, and then he take. You know, when he starts doing his strip tease stuff. I mean, don't be me wrong. I didn't realize that Jason Biggs had uh, done so many crunches. I didn't realize he had a six pack. Like I expected when he took the top off, because it's been years since I've seen this. It would be this like slubby, gross bloke. I mean, he's not defined. He's but... in good nick, like, Patrick. Young body. I would take right. some Biggs bod, but no. Um, and the the way that they could have done it is if we listen. I don't. I'm not. For some balance, it would have been good to just see some dick. Like at least that way, they could have they could have played it a bit better. Do you know what I mean? Which like, like you, just, you know, which, they, which they uh they they don't they don't bring it they don't bring it in until until like you say the fourth one when it's it is quite yeah. hilariously smushed into a pan lid. We've not really talked about the the nineties of it all, like this film, but having Blink One Eight Two in your film completely mm. takes you back to a certain time, especially them playing Mutts yeah. and all the Enema of the State songs. Yeah. I think the, the well, it's, came out it's, it's the same pre, year. Yeah, it's pre-Enema of the State. I think it was the, the next year. So this was, uh, um, was this like Dude Ranch? Is that what they were doing at this point? Uh, it's in between the two. Be, but they were, they, were, the they, were almost, um, <laughs> they were almost definitely on Universal Records, I can imagine. Just trying to find some uh, something salvageable from this scene. Biggs' performance in it? And what they do with his character that he completely embarrasses himself and he's that, it, you know, th- there is a consistency in how hopelessly desperate he is and he has no idea what he's doing and, I don't mm. know, he's rabbit caught in the head. Yeah. I think he does, a, I, I think I like his performance. Well, he, he sells um, coming twice in like five seconds. He does, he does a really good job. <laughs> Not again, man. <laughs> Where he's like, oh. He does. But, but also, you know, when she takes a, Pants off and says, I think the expression is shave. The look on his face of fear, and he has, you know, he, he's completely out of his depth. So that's the big problematic scene. And we've kind of said it that I don't think the repercussions for Jim and the other lads is high enough. Nadia is kind of swept aside and she's gone home, which is awful. And everyone takes the piss out of him and it's embarrassing. And, you know, and 
in traditional story writing terms, this is his lowest point. That's how his art works. But now we're getting on the fast track to prom, aren't we? And we have another montage now, I think. Yep. This one's a bit downbeat. I like the song. I can't remember who it is. Hmm. It sounds like the kind of thing that the um, the Farrelly brothers would use. Yeah, it would It would really fit in well in Dumb and Dumber, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, so then Jim is getting the ridiculous suit, which is quite funny. What's Oz and Kevin doing at the moment? I think they're just buying their suits as well. Well, Oz has decided to... Oz has decided to leave the uh, the big lacrosse game uh, mm. in order to sing at the recital with Heather. Yes, he has. Uh, and so he's made his decision. He's like, you know, he has transcended. He's transformed into this actual nice, sensitive guy. When he said he's got the lacrosse game, he can't make the singing competition, she said to him, do what makes you happy. Oh, well, at the lacrosse game half time, because you see he's lost his concentration. I really like the coach's assistant in this scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's a, it's like a weird cheap Ben Stiller, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those, those. It's a fun. It's a fun little gag. Um, it is, yeah. Until you score. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's that kind of character you mentioned earlier, like uh, Ozzy, who is just a stupid man who's good-looking man who can't, you know, he doesn't have anything else behind him, so he just yeah. That's all he does is repeat the coach. Culmination. That's about a lot at school. I like to think he's like the frustrated number two who's just waiting for the old guy to to like jog on and pass on so he can be the coach. So he just this feels like he has to come in and repeat his words like, yeah, don't worry guys, I'm the last person that speaks in this huddle. Combination. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like a kind of a, a worst case scenario future vision for us. Where it's like, can't give it up because, you know, like he says, like, what am I going to do? Be a professional lacrosse player? It's like, no, you're going to be the guy who stands behind the coach. It's, it's a really, um, it's a really good, uh, uh, sequence when, when it cuts back to, I don't know, I'm jumping ahead, but when it cuts back to them, like, clearly many, many, many minutes later after he's already had time to run all the way across to the other auditorium. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think he's, I don't think he's coming back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I've got like the lads in the audience when he finishes singing, like, you fucking rule. <laughs> and of course we have our, uh, our appearance of uh, Albert, the stand-in. Bumblebee, bumblebee, bumblebee. <laughs> Let the music be my guide. <laughs> melody. Those are the little moments that sell the idea that these are all, these are like best mates because I didn't mention it earlier, uh, but the the way that these archetypes are kind of grouped together, there is. I going back now, I kind of ask the question like, would these people all be best friends? Mm. But it is those little moments where they're supporting Oz, and then there's a couple of you know when they have their sort of heart to heart at the end about what it all means. They're the little fragments in the film that kind of sell it and i guess that's where the performances are doing it and to some extent the writing and it's just that whole feeling of yeah like going from adolescence these are your best mates they might not be your best mates for the rest of your life but they're, they're your best mates in that moment and i guess yeah the, the film does a good job in doing that kevin and vicky have decided that they are going to have sex so kevin's stoked uh, he's the one who's like cocksure jim meets well, again, actually, you know, we we forgot to mention her in the the big characters oh, cool, of the yeah. film, but Alison Hannigan, uh, 
Uh, what, what's the character's name in this? So I've forgotten. Uh, oh, Band no, Geek. Forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah Band Geek. Oh, Mich- no. It's Michelle, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. Would you? This is exactly the joke that that that, uh, that they give to Jim when uh, when his dad is asking who's who's the lucky lady. It's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, Michelle. <laughs> she is introduced very early on, isn't she? No, we see her at the party, don't we? Yeah. Uh, with the, all the rest of the bangers, yeah. and right at the beginning of the film yeah, when she's, she's, um, yeah, she's in the, she's yeah, the, the instruments yeah. she steals this film in the last twenty minutes. Like she really does. She's got a couple of lines that are like full on zingers, full on the kind of quotable lines that you were talking about earlier, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stuck a flute up my pussy, uh, <laughs> and he was such a dork, and everyone laughed at me, but I didn't care because it was so funny. I get it. <laughs> oh, and this one time at band camp, I stuck a flute in my pussy. <coughs> Excuse me? What? You don't think I know how to get myself off? Hell, that's what half a band camp is. Sex ed. So, are we gonna screw soon? Because I'm getting kind of antsy. Even before that, one of the best lines she delivers is because she's played the long game. Her character is really well written, actually. Plays the long game and she's saying one time at band camp, band camp, which is the most quotable thing she kind of says because it's repetitive. And Jim seems to be bored and he's drinking with her on the sofa. And then she just out of nowhere turns around to him and says, so we're going to screw things. I'm getting kind of antsy, <laughs> which is a great line. And she delivers it brilliantly out of nowhere. It's great comic timing. And then, you, you know, you're blown away as the audience because you didn't expect that at all. And then he gets to yeah, really aggressive glass shattering sex <laughs> in the children's room, which is a great environment for them to do it because it's really immature and yeah, it's good. I really like what happens with those both at the end. But but also, interestingly, I never thought of this before. But this is probably the only example in the film of a girl manipulating a man. You know, it's all been about the guys wanting to get their way with the girls, but this mm. is her. This is the other way around. So she yeah. says the line, "I knew you were a sure thing." Like, no, absolutely, and you're right. It is the the rug gets pulled from underneath yeah, her feet because she's the one who asserts, she's the one who initiates, and Jim just kind of takes. And you know, he says it at the end. Yeah. I was yeah. used. I was used. This character that we disregarded as this band fluting geek is actually the the, the most independent, sexually active yeah. out of all of these characters. It, it's it's a nice, yeah, it's a nice little Jessica reveal. Would as well, but obviously we don't really explore. Mm. Uh, she turns down Finch and says no chance later on. Which that's that's really uh, yeah, that's good. Those two are good together. Yeah, the way that the actor plays it. Where he's like just touching her ear, and he's got that like you can see him in in his you can see in his head him thinking, I might have a chance here. And the way she just like immediately goes, "You have no chance." Yeah, yeah, of, of course. Sex yeah, yeah. With me tonight. It's like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> they do. Um, so one thing that the film does is uh, it makes a callback, a deliberate callback. I, I and I want to mention the band. They are brilliant. The guy with the big hat. The, yeah. the, 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 like the character, yeah, the guy with the beard, the guy with the fez hat, and when the guy with the fez hat is just sat down having a fag, <laughs> it's just brilliant. I will say, I do like, I do like that whole bit and the way um, the lead singer butchers um, Midnight at the Oasis. Uh, the, oh yeah, then the, the yeah the second one is, the Oasis, yeah. is 
Yeah, the 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 big long note from Simple Minds <laughs> is it always makes yeah, me laugh. A direct reference to the Breakfast Club, and um, I, I'm not sure I would have done that personally because you kind of highlight in you know, maybe a, a slightly better, richer film with richer characters, but you know it's a nice little nod to a, another coming of age film, uh, and and they have that like the one scene I guess where they are are really honest with each other, you know. Kevin, again, being cocksure and nervous is like, well, how's the band geek going? And Jim's like, listen, she's a, she's a band geek. It's not going to go anywhere. And I'm sick of this pressure. Oz, he kind of tries to posture, like, is this sensitive shit going to work? And yeah. I like the way that they call him out. And he's kind of left standing there thinking, you know what, actually, sex isn't the be all and end all. They all kind of come to that conclusion. Because again, it reiterates that they're mates as well. It took a long time to get there, but then we get also talking of repercussions that there's one more repercussion and for his actions which is the shermanator at the prom which is a really embarrassing kind of yeah you know, and, and you you are happy that that there's a moral behind that tale there you should not to lie or mistreat people and spread rumors what and what's interesting about that character is in the <laughs> yeah. second one he does get what he wants. He doesn't he have sex with um, Nadia in the second film? <laughs> so... He does. He get he gets dragged upstairs. <laughs> but at least in at least in this one, you're right. He um he 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 has some consequences. He he pisses himself. And the the, the final repercussion is is the Stiffmeister, isn't it? Yeah. Like you're saying about uh, Finchy was uh, trying to seduce Jessica while holding her ear. One of my favourite lines of the film is this really throwaway jump cut. So. He's met Stiffler's mum. She's found him in a room that he's probably not supposed to, you know, the, the, the off, out-of-bounds room at a house party that she had. And he, st- he starts wondering. And there's Stiffler's mum like, hey, what are you doing here? But there's a jump cut later to when they're interacting and having a drink together. And it cuts into him saying the line. So then I said, this is obviously Pierre Della Pacheska. <laughs> we used to say that at school to each other all the time. And, oh, it's so I've funny. always wondered what the joke was. Oh, and the, 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 the line that she comes up with, which is, uh, uh, I think it's the one before that, where it's like, um, sing, no, the single malt, aged 18 years, just the way I like it. Are you enjoying yourself? Um, three sheets to the wind, man. I'm so happy for you. But it takes the edge off, doesn't it? So where's your little date tonight? Oh, no date. It was it was a bathroom incident. Pardon me? Never mind. You have anything to drink? I believe the kegs are upstairs. That is what the Cretans drink. I'm talking about alcohol, liquor, the good stuff. All right. I got some scotch. Single malt? Aged 18 years. The way I like it. Jennifer Coolidge, much like um, Eugene Levy, is like, what Jennifer Coolidge was also, and still is, uh, part of like Christopher Guest's like repertory of, of of great comedic actors. And it's just, yeah, why wouldn't you bring in like a proper pro? Like just a really, yeah, really good great scene. And comedian. then Stiffer faints, doesn't he, when he sees them? Should break. <laughs> it, it works. It works, doesn't it? And they, so they, in your right, Patrick, they all, they all have their own individual sexual experience. You know, Jim has the wild 
voracious sex. And I love the the the, the bit where he's left with the dinosaur just is brilliant. Uh, you've got Kevin and Vicky who have this weird slug adult sex, which I, I don't care how you skin it; it's weird. I don't, I don't like it at all. You said you said you were uh, you said you were done making fun. I know. Of Kevin. Sorry, yeah. Is of this course, the last yeah, one? That's the last one, one. Promise. Uh, <laughs> Oz and Heather have their like tender, loving sex, and then you have um, Finch, and he has the the, the wish fulfillment of sleeping with Stifler's mum, and it's. They all they all come out better people, maybe as lessons learned, maybe who knows? You know the kind of um, the 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 end of the kind of second act drag and the getting us ready for the party bit, um, where where Kev goes outside on his own to throw bits of gravel into a cup. The sequence as a whole just as because I I didn't say I was done making fun of Kevin's shit character. Um, there is no reason for him to be that miserable. Like, I know his mates shouted at him, but much like the fact that his big problem is that he can't say I love you to the girlfriend that should have dumped him but hasn't yet, um, he's he's sad because because he's about to get everything he could want. I don't know, he's throwing his toys at the pram, isn't he? Because he's it's the pact. It's like, a, it's like his friends mean more to him than his girlfriend, and it's, it is a really arsehole move. I can see that there's probably there's a there's a version of that that might work, but I think you need to you need that character to be way more vulnerable. I think what you'd probably need is for him to admit like he's scared. I'm actually kind of yeah, I'm kind of terrified at the prospect. And he does say, "I'm maybe I'm scared," but it's like you need somebody to really sell that, which is like I think it would it would be a lot more honest and a lot more interesting Mm -hmm. to sort of to just undercut the bravado completely and just say. I'm not sure I'm ready for this. And that that's pretty much it, right, guys? That's that's us going to the next step, which I guess is like the wider influence of the film and I mean, how does it how does it hold together twenty years later for you? Well I've already mentioned, like in, influentially, I, I think this film was massive and it really rejuvenated the mm. teen comedy at the time. Because I think it was quite refreshing and it was quite um I, I do Remain that it has quite an innocence and a charm. It's very charming. This film, especially Biggs. I think Biggs is is particularly charming, and he holds together that character well. That could fall apart as a, you know, an, an old type, proper slapstick, just ridiculous sex comedy. But I think the writing has which which it does. The the further we get into yes. it, probably by the by the next. Well, film the next one, Stiffer is a complete though. archetype, and he doesn't. I'd forgotten. Yeah. When I was younger, I watched it and really enjoyed it because I like I like Sean William Scott and Stiffer, as I said. But I rewatched two recently, and he his his introduction at the house is is almost unforgivable because he's just ridiculous. He's just a twat, and uh, yeah, it's it's silly. But um, on this film, as, as a standalone thing, I think it all really works, and it's it, it's actually a nice, quite a nice film uh, underneath it all. And I said I think it's got good intentions and a good heart, and it yeah, film works for me. Uh, well, sorry, I really was talking about influence there, Gully. I've given a bit of a review. No, there, no, no. Well, influence, influence, in, and, and final thoughts, I guess. The influence, I've said it as well. The in betweeners. If anyone watching in between it, it's a lot of it's born of this, I think. Um, given examples of the awkward sex scenes and stuff, and I think it led the way for that. Because uh, I can't think of really a teen comedy from Britain as a film. 
until the in-betweeners. I can't think of anything. Mm. That's a good point, um, yeah. Not really got a great tradition for it. I mean, Gregory's Girl, but what's that, 1982? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that counts. I don't think we get Dude, Where's My Car, Road Trip, all the other American Pie films. And you mentioned some other god-awful films that they just churned out at the time because it was a bandwagon wasn't it they knew how popular and how successful this was and that's why you've now got an eight dvd collection of it galley i am giving it away as part of our competition oh god please do <laughs> you need to get that out of your house please. <laughs> <laughs> in in thinking about like this film i was looking back over the sort of the, the big sweep of of teen movies the way um the genre kind of got kicked off by animal mm. house which if you go back and watch animal house as much as it is funny it is also um really unpleasant and also blatantly performed by men in their thirties. But it's, um, there's lots of, you know, there's, it's, it's a lot compared to, to this, it's a lot rawer and and meaner in the, especially in the way it treats its female characters, which are not characters. They're just ciphers to be stared at or duped into going on dates by pretending that you knew one of their dead classmates and stuff. It's, it's kind of horrible. And then, see, it, the 80s was kind of the heyday because everything was a teen movie in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It was an explosion of it. Um, the 90s had had a really good thing going, which was very witty and literate teen movies. Um, you'd say they probably skew more female than male, which is probably what was what paved the way that, that left a bit of um, a gap in the market for an American Pie. Because if you think um, Clueless probably kicked it off, yeah, yeah, what like 1995, which and is a really funny, I about you. well-written. Ten things I hear about you is this is what the same year is this year before? before. It's 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 a year before, yeah, yeah, and it's exceptionally well-written and it's really witty and it's um and it's really charming. And if if you take those two films as a kind of um a late 90s sort of high watermark, one being the kind of naive, gross-out, funny male-centric comedy of American Pie, and one being the very kind of uh, witty and 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 well written and and charming, probably female skewing film, but they both lead to these kind of paths of just diminishing returns. Of like, um, ten things I hate about you ends up spawning yeah. like she's all that and down to you and drive me crazy with Sabrina the Teenage Witch and 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 American Pie leads to like you said it leads to to road trip which is again it's it's a shallower and stupider and slightly meaner film yeah. Um, Euro Trip, which nobody remembers anything that happens in it except for Matt Damon does a song. Well, Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. Like it's Sex Drive. There was a bunch of them. There's just you know. Also, every film poster then just needed to be a white background with big red text. So um, I don't know. How about you, gals? You haven't given us your uh, your overall thoughts. I forgot how kind of tame it is. It's not. It, it, yes, it proposed to be this raunchy sex teen comedy, but it's actually quite tame but i suppose that's with 20 years removed and one of the things the way i I like to look at this film is that we never really mentioned about the costume (laughs) the costuming but i've got such nostalgia for this period of my life you know 99 just the 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 sort of breaking into the 2000s you know the clothes blink 182 you know i was a skater at this point and i was a horny little teen myself (laughs) I was a horny little teen myself. That is a great line. <laughs> let's, let's put it as the tagline. But yeah, I look at this as like a, a kind of a real relic of the past, which is odd to say it's only 20 years old, but we were very different 
back then and the evolution of comedy you can kind of track from this as well devlin's rye all the posters that from the films that came after it red and white background you know one recently cameron diaz sex tape same poster you know same color scheme and that was only from like a few years ago so they're still kind of trading off what pie left left behind but but no i think um i think for a modern audience if you've never ever seen american pie I'm not sure if they'll be able to get past some of the prob- mm. like the more problematic scenes. But for me, going back, I can still find moments of it really funny. But the bits that I probably thought were hilarious 20 years ago and now the bits that I kind of mm. cringe and curl up and say, oh, yeah, we've really moved on. And the bits with Jim and Jim's dad are... It's worth watching alone just to see those interactions because I don't think they've ever been done mm-hmm. any better. You know, I you know I think about the in betweeners. You know how the Jay character in the in betweeners, uh, his dad is such a like dickhead. He's basically just a bully. I love the fact that Eugene Levy plays it the other way. Like you saying, Gally, that you look back at it as like a like a snapshot of you know a a really a really pivotal point in everyone's life. Like the the film captures it. And it just so happened that it came out at exactly the right time for all of us. Yeah, we were the right age. Because we were a few years, yeah, we were a couple of years behind the characters. So you could still be like looking up at them and, you know, being 18 and all this kind of stuff that they were going through was still a couple of years away for us. Um, But yeah, I think if I were to ever, I don't think I'd ever need to watch this film again. I think I'd be quite happy just. Oh, no, I'd love to revisit this in 10 years. Just again. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm just happy just saying lines from it. And I have answered. I I certainly didn't waste my time watching this. It was a huge film for me at the time because, as I said to you before, everyone was quoting it at school. It was the big comedy that we all loved. And we tried to take on the persona roles of this and almost why we had house parties back then. When I look back on this, it reminds me of my childhood, which I I really like that association with this film, what, what it makes me relive personally. Um, I think you seem to be the same, Gally. I think so. I think you can, like you say, there are certain films that hit the right moment in the big milestones in your life. And for better or worse, you know, forget about all the peer pressure that comes along with it. Losing your virginity in in certain social groups is hugely important. And in mine, when I was a teenager in Stoke-on-Trent, it was a big thing. You know one wanted to be uh, left with that stigma. You know, again, rightly or wrongly, everyone makes their own independent choices on that one. But so it does. It does still hold um, a little place in my my little catalogue of films that I kind of still uh, gravitate towards and love. But I, I think I might be totally sitting on the fence with this one. But I think I'm with Devlin. I'm not sure I need to watch American Pie again because I kind of know it inside out. And I know all the lines and all the lines that I say are the ones that are not the problematic scenes and all the things that I found funny back then. And I think are still still funny. You know, one of the things it did teach me is to be careful when putting on the corsage. <laughs> <laughs> well, whose turn is it next? I believe it is our good friend uh, Gally. So what's the next slice of pie? OK, well, um, we're, we're deviating away from food groups. Uh, so as we are in the season to be scary... I have chosen what I consider is a horror film. Some people may argue differently, including both of you. Uh, I've also chosen a film that is going to coincide with a new release. Uh, so we're going to talk about the original Terminator. Ooh. 
Very nice. Okay. We'll uh, we'll say our goodbye, shall we? So it's um it's Gally signing off. Scooby dooby doo wub. Scoop scooby dooby doo wub. Yeah, magic. <laughs> Came from the heart. <laughs> and it's Devin in London. I'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Cheers, boys. Um, too formal there. It's Patrick from London. Uh, I really enjoyed that. And see you at Halloween. Indeed. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you next time on the Rewire Movie Podcast. <laughs>